1: the privilege this morning of having Fran Shore share the word. For those who don't know Fran, if you're online, everyone knows Fran here. Everyone knows Fran here. But if you're online, Fran graduated from Holy Fire Ministry Training School last year. And not only that, she's been a help. She's been a part of the grad team, helping, serving, uh, sharing and inspiring and helping Uh, encourage the team uh, at Bible school, so it's, uh, Fran is a really precious woman of God, and it's good to hear, it's good to hear from the women, it's good to hear from the women of God, and so without any further ado, let's invite up Fran, give her a nice, nice warm welcome. (laughs) Welcome.
0: Thank you, Pastor Glenn. It's very exciting to be here today. This is my first time sharing um, in this capacity. Um, and it's it's really wonderful. It's really wonderful to have my beloved brothers and sisters supporting me in this because I do need your support and your prayers. yeah I, when pastor glenn asked me last week to speak today i was wondering what word has the lord actually given me i didn't have a prophetic word written down or anything fancy <laughs> but i realized over the first couple of days feeling rather desperate monday ...that the Lord had put a deposit in me over a period of time. And it's out of this that I I want to speak today. It's out of this like a well, I suppose, that I was able to draw buckets from. (laughs) Um, Because I started four and a half years ago at Holy Fire School of Ministries here. And my life has been completely changed since then... ...over that period of time. It was the word of God... ...anointed teaching... ...anointed impartation... ...coming into me and changing my life for reality. Because I was born again... ...48 years ago. I knew a lot about God... I'd sat through a heap of talks for a long time. I was in a church that used many scriptures each message from the King James Bible. (laughs) So they were better, better scriptures. (laughs) But, and I'd had ups and downs in those years. I'd had drama, I'd had crises, I'd had great joys. But, when I started here, I was still, there was something very much missing in my life. I'd, spent, I'd seen wonderful signs and wonders, the miracle working power of God in my family as ones of us were healed and even saved from death's door. I've wonderful testimonies, but there was something missing in me. I found that. I found the Lord here. I found relationship with the Father. The Song of Solomon's unit, Song of Songs, which we're doing this semester, changed my life because I'd never had a father who was able to relate to me at all or even spoke to me. I hadn't had men in my life who were faithful and true And in that semester, the one that's coming up again, once every three years, (laughs) I found relationship with the Father. I was really impacted and it changed my life. So I praise God for these last few years. Goodness me, I just love... I love being here. (laughs) I love being here on Monday nights at... uh, when Bible school is on, I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I was so scared when I started here. Goodness me, I felt like a fish out of water. There's a room full of people that I didn't know, and I was quite shy. I'm not really a speaker, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was scary, and I didn't really know what to do with it all. But uh, I stuck in there. ...stuck in there and didn't give up even when I felt too, ...when I felt out of my depth. I stuck in there and that anointed teaching... ...and the anointing of the washing of the water of the word... ...just kept working in me. <clears throat> so... ...the Lord's given me a message. People worship many gods all over the world... There's many gods out there. I don't know how many Hindus have, millions, <coughs> etc. In all the religions of the world and in their own minds, their own hearts. But the only true God is Yahweh. And Yahweh is holy. We worship the one and the only holy God. He is the only holy God. There is no other holy God in all of whatever's out there. It doesn't exist. God is described in scripture many, many times. Exodus 15:11 says, "Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, Yahweh?" ...who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. What a good description. We see a heavenly scene describing Yahweh God in Isaiah 6.3. And one seraphim called out to another and said... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. How can we understand that God is holy? How can our minds perceive such a thing? We look at a fragment of the universe we can see. We can get great joy from the created world but what in the world is holy? Is there anything in religion that is true holiness? Is there anything in our lives that is holy? God is most high and exalted above and over all. He is the one who pre-existed all and now all exists in him alone. He is the only, the completely holy God. Holiness is full of superlatives and our language cannot find the words to express what it is. I'll tell you what, I sat and tried this week. thought, Lord, I've got to explain this a little bit, but no. Our hearts and minds find no understanding of it and our lives in the natural have no expression of it. Holiness is pure. It's without guile and complete in love. God's motives and agendas are totally good and holy. There is no spot or blemish in God. There's no shadow, no imperfection of any kind. Even the judgments and wrath of God are completely clean and righteous. Heaven is full of all. Heaven is full of all. ...and amazement at his holiness. We're talking about heaven here... ...the beings that God created to worship him. The angelic beings have been with God since they were created. They live in heaven surrounded by glories we can hardly imagine. And yet these things hold no attraction for them. They can't help but cry out continually... In astonishment and reverence, holy, holy, holy. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Goodness me, you'd think they'd have a few other things to do up there. A few other things to look at and praise. (laughs) But the holiness of God is a mystery. Because for all the superlatives of holiness, holiness is completely humble. God reaches out to a sin-filled world. God has compressed himself to enter our sphere, to cry out to us again and again, to respond to him, to hear him, to let him in. The call of our Father echoes throughout Scripture, really from beginning to end the cry of the father's heart in Leviticus 20 26 it says thus you are to be holy to me for I the Lord am holy and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine God's cry just resounds through the whole of scripture I have been focusing on the book of Jeremiah this year. I hadn't read it for many, many years, if at all, because it always kind of scared me. (coughs) But anyway, the Lord sat me, perched with Jeremiah. (coughs) I love that prophet. And often when I'm reading Jeremiah... And the cry of God through him, I start to weep as I read the heart of the Father over and over again, pleading to his people to love him again. He wants them to call him their God and be restored to his goodness, his promises and his bounty in their lives. In fact, the Old Testament is full of God's desire. He wants to share himself ...and for us to share in all he has. It's very raw and emotional to read. There were repercussions for Israel if they couldn't turn to God... ...or wouldn't turn to God. Exile, wars, plagues. Their idolatrous hearts kept them from him... They were cruel, selfish and grasping. It's really horrible to read, really. (laughs) I I haven't enjoyed it in that way. (laughs) Underlined a lot of bits and put a lot of asterisks around the place, but that cry of God's heart keeps coming through, through these prophets who were... ...so blessed to be his mouthpieces. But boy, I don't think I would have wanted the job at the time. I tried to work out a bit what was holiness in me Um, previously. I had Holy Communion when I was seven. And I'll tell you what, all I was worried about was that the girl beside me... ...had on this pretty organza dress and a beautiful veil with her hair in a bun... ...and flowers around it and, oh my goodness, patent leather shoes. I still remember it. I was sitting beside her. And there was me in my very hand-me-down little white dress that mum had made... ...and my little homemade veil. And my school shoes laced up... ...that's all I was worried about. Seriously, there was nothing holy (laughs) for me. (laughs) Maybe I was a (laughs) one-off. But then when I was 12 I was confirmed I was going to receive the Holy Spirit. I had lessons on it for a couple of months at school. And when it became time I walked out the front with all the other kids, a man of God... ...slapped my cheek and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And with my 12-year-old little mind, I knew that nothing had happened... ...and I hadn't received anything holy at all. And I was really, really disappointed. Nothing had happened. But I remembered when I was about seven or eight... ...staying at my grandma's place. I was brought up in a very religious household in that way. On Sundays anyway. And at my grandma's house I found a little Gospel of John and I slept with it under my pillow. I read it. I read parts of it. I didn't read it all but, boy, something was imparted into me, something I knew this Jesus that it spoke of. I knew there was something there that was so profound and so wonderful and that stayed with me right through to when I actually found the Lord at twenty. So there was a deposit, this tiny seed, this tiny deposit from when I was a little girl that nothing else satisfied. We may understand holiness as the doing or not doing of certain things. I knew in my own life there were many and varied things I wasn't doing anymore lately. (laughs) But was I holy? Or was it that I'm older now? And I don't care about youthful lusts or have lost my drive or don't have the opportunity or the motivation. I've learned to socialise my tongue now and to stay quieter, I hope, to not be so opinionated. (laughs) But is it holiness? Am I just older now or am I more sanctified? I was really wondering this this year. The Lord really started to impact on my heart a few months ago. What really is in me? What really is in me of him? Or just discipline and self-control, socialisation over a period of time. But as scripture says, count your trials more precious than gold... I have at times thought that I have overcome certain responses or triggers... ...only to find that sin or weakness or lack of wisdom was still very active in me. (laughs) Okay, Romans 7. (laughs) Anxieties, blaming people, labelling others, unforgiveness... ...and all less overt sins that may only raise their ugly heads in certain circumstances... I know now the absence of sins isn't the absence of sin. Evangelists go to obvious sinners. I've often thought this. Evangelists go to, you know, just to people who really look down and out. Not all of them, but I hear this, you know, going to down and out people. But I think what about the little old ladies who have never been saved and they're living really good lives but they've got no salvation. They're just as badly off as the most wicked looking sinner out there. We can't overlook the people who look good. I think there's just a real problem with that. Um, a problem we also don't have is that we don't have a fear of sin. We compare our lives with others living without the fear of God. This comparing may, may mean we seem okay when we are not okay at all <laughs> and we steer far away from any conviction and repentance Nowadays, some important words seem to have been relegated to a bygone era. Words such as sin, (laughs) repentance, obedience, chastity, morality. What about humility or sacrifice? Yuck. (laughs) We don't want to know about these things. We don't hear about them that much sometimes. In our, not in the world, in our culture, darkness can surround us, but we can't be in agreement with the world culture and not call sin, sin, okay? So what do we do? Sorry, my glasses are old, but I can peer over them. And one arm is sort of, I keep hot gluing it a bit. But the glue came off this morning and it keeps sort of wobbling around my nose. (laughs) Wobbling off my ear. (laughs) So what do we do? We know God wants us to be holy as he is holy. It starts with honestly looking at our lives and not whitewashing our hearts... ...or our responses, our habits, or our sins. Our journey is an ongoing one that will probably only end with our last breath. We are only able to live in holiness as much as we have desired to... ...and as much as we've received from the Lord at that time. It's got to be real. It's got to be a real change... ...inside our hearts. Scripture tells us what to do. Leviticus 11.44 says... ...for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy... ...for I am holy. And we are exhorted in Scripture... ...in Deuteronomy 28.9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, as he swore to you, if you keep the commands of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways. That's an admonition and a half, isn't it? I had a problem thinking that rules didn't apply (laughs) to me (laughs) most of my life. (laughs) Got me in a few scrapes. When I was young, I did lots of foolish things. I wanted to get away with as much as I could without being caught and do as little work as I had to without being caught. (laughs) It's bad, eh? But we see that people throughout the ages have been pretty much the same at Mount Sinai, God wanted his spirit to indwell the people, but they were too scared of him to allow them near him. I just straight out didn't want the Lord to correct me. <clears throat> I wanted to do as little as I could get away with. The people told God at Mount Sinai to only speak them to them through a man. Their rejection of God's spirit of holiness left them powerless to fight their old idolatrous ways and meant God's glory was kept for a few whole obedient ones. I don't know how the Old Testament would have read if everyone walked with God. They wouldn't be, you know, there would be just, oh, Abraham did everything perfectly and Noah did everything perfectly and So did Isaiah and Solomon. They all did everything perfectly in the eyes of the Lord. But it's not like that, is it? And then later in Scripture we see the tabernacle of God being built in the wilderness. Every facet of it had to be made in complete obedience to the plan given to Moses... When all the commands were accomplished, God came and filled the tabernacle with his presence. It was based on obedience to those commands he had given them to build the tabernacle. It wasn't based on anything else in their lives. It was based on those commands. You fulfil these commands, I'll come and live with you. It's amazing really when you look at the commands of God to various people in scriptures. Noah had to build the ark. ...didn't tell him how to treat his wife and how to, you know, handle his kids. and (laughs) What to do about his boss if he had one. Like, he had to do that command. When the Temple of Solomon was built also... ...a new band of builders, craftsmen and priests... ...had to obey every plan and command. Again, as all was fulfilled... The glory of God filled the temple and the priests. God always rewards obedience. Most Bible forefathers had one or a few jobs to fulfil. Oh, I just said that. Anyway, that's okay. What happens when God manifests his holiness to us? The prophet Isaiah had a wonderful vision when he was being called of God. Apparently he was a great orator of his day and spoke widely. Then God came. Isaiah saw an open vision of the holy God in all his glory. In Isaiah 6.3 it says, And one seraphim called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What was Isaiah's response to the holiness of God? He was rightly filled with fear and his sin was exposed. He was dumbstruck and devastated. But God immediately cleansed his sin and forgave him. Isaiah's response was humility, submission and obedience to be God's messenger to his people. Isaiah saw who he was working for and suffered humiliation and persecution willingly throughout the rest of his life. Will we? <laughs> will we? Will we? Will we see the holiness of God and have it impact us in a similar way? God also blesses us with the fear of God. In Jeremiah 32 38 to 40, he says, They shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart. And one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them, I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts so they will not turn away from me. The real fear of God is a gift of God, a fabulous gift of God to keep us on the road of salvation, on the straight and narrow able to obey his commands, having that willingness because we have seen the Lord. I think of men of God like David Wilkinson and Steve, Steve, Stephen Hill, Evangelist Stephen Hill. They have both passed away but when I listen to them on YouTube, I like listening to men of God on YouTube – There is such a cry out of their hearts. They can bring you to tears to hear them. It's almost as if they died of broken hearts. David Wilkinson wanted everyone to have a heart, a broken heart for the lost. And evangelist Stephen Hill just was so full of the broken heart of God that I think he couldn't live anymore. It's just amazing that people can be so full of God's heart. And most of the time I know I would reject it because it's too hard to handle. Mm. Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves... ...from all defilement of flesh and spirit... ...perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay, it's up to us. It's up to us to actually give in and want that heart of God in us. It's so hard to sacrifice ourselves. I think coming to Holy Fire School of Ministries... ...made me realise I must cleanse myself of my past... And I asked God many, many times to shine his light into the darkness that was within me. He always answered. I had a book um, after one of the semesters. It was um, my book of repentance, of um, sins and repentance. And while I was filling it in, and I could still fill in more, the Lord Every morning when I was reading scripture, the Holy Spirit would show me a sin in my life. And it might might have been from when I was younger or as an adult or many and various sins. My goodness. I, I would write out each sin as he showed it to me and write out my prayer of repentance and the forgiveness of the Lord for me. And um, yeah... That's what I just had to do at that time. And um, yeah, makes wonderful reading. <laughs> we could all do one. <laughs> the fear of the Lord in us should drive us to seek real answers and real change. We need to overcome or subdue certain things in us. What about our cultures? What about... Our family traditions, are these the seed of God in us? Our empty religion, our desires, our focuses, our habits and even our language and our speech. We need old wounds healed. We all have them. Old pain eased. So we're not being triggered into unrighteous speech and actions because they haven't actually been cleaned out of us and replaced with the spirit of God. Jesus explains how these things were not planted by him. These all sorts of things in us, in our psyche, in our traditions, in our way of life, our way of handling people they're not all planted by him. Anything he did plant, he will allow to mature. But here Jesus is discussing the defilement in in our hearts in Matthew 15, 13 to 18... Every plant which my heavenly father did not plant will be uprooted. So, if we've got seeds in us that have grown to maturity, or even if they're still little seeds and they weren't planted by him, they were planted by us, by our lust, by our needs, by our insecurities, by the devil, by whatever, (laughs) Um, they have to be pulled out, uprooted. They have to be uprooted. Um, we allow him to uproot anything that hasn't been planted by him. We can turn the unacceptable words of today into the words that bring life. Conviction, repentance, humility, sacrifice. The Lord makes a profound promise to us. This in Jeremiah 31, 33. Great promise. Boy, do we need this. But this is the de- the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it. We're not writing this story ourselves. The Lord is as we submit to Him. Yeah, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three, I believe. Um, And I will be their God and they will be my people. And that's what the Lord's after. He wants us to be his people. He wants to be our God. That's really all he's asking. God uproots, then writes. Uproots, then writes. We need the laws of God written on our hearts. We need discernment even in small things. I find that even when I'm watching YouTube, you know. I enjoy some YouTube. And um, I watch a lot of wonderful talks and exhortation from people of God, testimonies, healings. I do not watch Minecraft (laughs) but boy, my grandchildren do. I know all about it. But in that I need discernment in small things too because there's a lot of seed out there that is not God. And if I'm feeling uncomfortable or it's not obviously what we've learned from Scripture and been trained to understand from Scripture, no, don't touch it. As people who have allowed God to renew our lives and submitted to his resurrection power, We are new creations in him. We must constantly reject things that are not of God and through his miracle-working power take on his character and nature. Okay, it's a miracle. It's not something we work up in ourselves. It's a miracle. We are to take on his name to be living as he lives and not be Christian in name only. He empowers us to live in his life as we allow his own nature and character to our own we allow our own characters and natures to die within us and be replaced with his as we submit to his holy spirit Ephesians 4:22 to 26 says that in reference to your former manner of life you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on your new self, which is the likeness of God that has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. So this is all a wonderful miracle of the Holy Spirit within us. Takes the onus off us, doesn't it? Holiness is resurrection life replacing our carnal life. We die, the Holy Spirit resurrects. This happens again and again through our lives as we acknowledge areas of darkness in us and we submit to the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord plants seeds in our hearts before, during and after being born again. I had one planted in me long before I was born again. And... We can think that people have no seed of God before they're born again, but yes, they do. And it draws them to him, or they reject it. His seeds bear the fruit of the Spirit and righteousness as they grow in us. They are his holiness manifesting in our lives. We can then set apart our bodies and our thoughts, wills and emotions in devotion to the Lord... What are the sum of the seeds planted in us by the Holy Spirit? Well, we know they're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are some of the seeds of the Lord, though there's many more than that, I'm sure, but these are some of the trees that can grow to maturity in us. In 2 Corinthians um, 4, 6 to 7, it says, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness, that's quoted in Isaiah a few times, um, is the one who has shone in our hearts. So the light that the Lord sends into darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, and this is so deep, I can't even um, start to meditate on this very well. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. This is miracle working power. This is the power of God in us ...cleansing us and replacing what needs to be replaced with him. It's not of ourselves. We don't get education for this. We don't have religion to accomplish this. We don't psychoanalyse ourselves to accomplish a better life... ...to be more good, to be holy. None of these things work. We don't give ourselves any attributes of God. If we could, we would have. We don't. I'm, I'm an older woman now, and I st- still <laughs> trying to wade through this stuff. I would have done it if I tr- could have. God is creating holiness in us, sanctifying us to be in His presence. He wants us in His presence. The Father God has been calling us back for millennia. Never stops. In Genesis 1, he sent light to overcome the darkness and created land out of the void. In the same way, he sends light into us and creates the good soil of our hearts, separated from the darkness and void that was in us. This renewed soil is able to receive the seeds of life that have the potential to grow into the character and nature of the Father in us. All seeds are potential only until they are given the things they need to grow in us. I received seeds from God when I was born again. I tried to obey God in some areas of my life where it suited me. ...others I ignored and sin matured. This is after I was born again. But that cry for holiness was within me. Even from when I was seven there was that... ...there was a seed that had been put in me that I knew I wasn't... ...that I was ignoring. I hated my sin... A time at Bible school and anointed teaching gave me the light of God shining in my heart. I could have sought the Lord myself, but I hadn't. I believe we can focus on the Lord, but we choose not to. I know I did. As we approach God in humility, submission and obedience, God's presence... ...comes to change us in pure love. We may not see discipline and correction as love, but it is. Hebrews 12.10 says, For they, our fathers, disciplined us for a short time on earth... ...as seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good... ...so that we may share his holiness... That's profound, isn't it? So we might as well enjoy discipline. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not going to get the holiness we need. What a promise. Now, the Holy Spirit, the spirit that makes us holy, that's why he's called the Holy Spirit, because he is holy and he makes us holy. He influences us, convicts us, disciplines us and compels us to seek out his holiness. We have this driving Force within us to seek out holiness more and more. Apostle Peter exhorts us to obedience in all our behavior. First Peter 1:14 to 16 says, "As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. So there's mercy there, there's mercy. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behaviour because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Peter is comparing us to children without the sin-filled lusts but innocent of the many and varied sins of adulthood. Jesus, our Messiah, lived in reverential fear of the Father too. He didn't get off (laughs) scot-free. Through complete and utter obedience, he fulfilled all the requirements of his mission in the world and proclaimed, it is finished. Well, just think, Jesus obeyed in all things in his life and death. He shows us the way. He's our example. Romans 5 6 says, For why we while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the righteous. He made the way clear for mankind to be able to have a relationship with the Father. We have never and will never deserve this incredible mercy of God. We were the ungodly. And it was so we could be with him and his father that he died for us. Because of his love for us, we respond. Our love for Jesus makes us want to please him, to delight him. And have him make us his sons. We don't want to cause him pain or hurt... We want to examine ourselves and be free from sin as much as we are able to and have his wonderful forgiveness fill us with a hope and a future with him and a much richer richer and more peaceful life for ourselves. We really get something out of this. We're not just giving up. We're not just dying to everything and getting nothing to replace it. We're not empty and void. We're full of this incredible life, this joy, this peace. It's awesome. Colossians 122 says, I'm winding up now." Colossians 122 says, "Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death." in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. What an incredible scripture, what an incredible promise. Through his death we can be presented holy and blameless and beyond reproach because we are going to be presented one way or the other. Either we accept this or we don't want to think of the other John 14:15 to 17 says if you love me you will keep my commandments this is Jesus speaking if we love him and we say we do we will keep his commandments John 14:15 to 17 I will ask the father and he will give you another helper the holy spirit that he may be with you forever that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. That's an awesome thing. We, have, we don't have to do it ourselves. This is God working in us. My goodness, how, could he have made it any better for us really? Jesus is our saviour in every way. He made the way clear for us to be restored to our Father God and he sent the Holy Spirit to work holiness in us. To allow this in the fear of God, we need to ask for his cleansing and not tolerate or even empower old ways in our lives anymore. We can empower them. We can want them. We can want old ways. We cannot want to let go. We get something out of it, some sort of comfort. So we're exhorted here to not tolerate those old ways and to actually desire to give them up. And in the desire we ask. And I've found that the, the real battle is to want to ask God to cleanse something out of me. God is holy. We must, with deep thanksgiving, be His devoted, disciplined, holy people. So, the message is, and what the Lord was really making me look at this year, was how much in me was just my older age, how much in me is actually Him. How much seed has he put in me and I've allowed to mature into the fruit of the spirit and the other things that he wants to put in us? God needs us to be ready. He wants to send an influx of babes. (laughs) He wants people to come and join us and fellowship with us. Are we ready for his new disciples? Are we ready for people who come in with issues, with all manner of uncleanness in their lives? They're not all going to be coming in smelling right. We don't want to reject them. We don't want to fail when the Lord sends us people. We need to be ready and waiting and able... ...to give out of that well, that abundance that he's put in us... ...which then flows out of us like a river of living water... ...out of us into them that they can drink of. They need to have us able to be used by the Lord... ...and to speak the word to them, not just scripture... ...though that's of course we'll need to speak scripture... But the word that God has for them, often it's that that touches the hearts of a of a person who's down in the mall or at the shopping centre or in a queue or our family members around the table. We can just say that sentence. Kiara does this with me all the time, my own beautiful daughter. She is a font of wisdom. And she said to me this morning, Mum, I, I, I won't be off to get up and talk at any time and, and um, I said but you're a font of wisdom in the times where you speak that one sentence to me or to someone else in our family that completely breaks something open in me and that's the work of God and it's just as pertinent as any other work that God has us to do So we have to obey God in the things that he tells us to do because even Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. We have to obey him to go to the people he wants us to go to with the words that he wants us to speak to them in the circumstance that's there. We don't have to make it all up. (laughs) We just have to hear him. (laughs) I found that really hard because the thought of approaching people is very scary for me and I think we're mostly the same so the Lord will bring people to us and we will get such joy from speaking the words of life because they change us each time we speak them too and we go oh my goodness the Lord got me to say something wise (laughs) and it really is a thrill so we must be ready um I printed out Jesus' commands off the internet. I have them in a display book. We need to read and meditate them and know what his commands were. If we love him, we'll obey his commands. We need to know what they are. So we can read and meditate. We can work at it. Print it out. And... I found one of the main things in my life is that I've got to believe the commandments apply to me. I've had to change my attitude and stop being this airhead who thinks I'm a free spirit... ...and something applies to everybody else but doesn't really apply to me... ...and just weasel my way around it and actually believe the words in the book are for me... (laughs) That's been a hard one because I haven't wanted to give in on that. I still gloss over passages of scripture and things that Jesus says, put them in the too hard basket for now. So God forgive me, but that's, I think, what we can do. Anyway, that's my my message. Praise God. I hope it hasn't been too heavy or... Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's possibly a difficult one, but I know how much the Lord's given me joy and peace through this, through finally giving in and um, having that anointed teaching that I've needed so much. So I praise God. Yes. Like... Oh, Father, you've put your seeds in us of life. My goodness. Your seeds are wonderful and true and righteous and holy. Oh, Lord, every one of us here has those seeds in us. Lord, I ask you to show us how to respond to you, how to answer your call, your call that has come through millennia for people to actually accept you ...to give up idols and to worship you alone and to take on your image, your nature, your character in us. And we do this by obeying the commandments of Jesus today. Oh Lord, please strengthen us, fortify us. Strengthen us so we're able to bring in the sheep, mighty God, so that we're full of you... And that you pour out of us into them, mighty God. Oh, Lord, I thank you for what you've deposited in us already, mighty God. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, my teachers, Lord. Oh, the love that comes from the brethren just is a solid wall around us. Thank you, Father. Father, I just praise you for what you've brought us into, in Jesus' name.
1: Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah! Let's all let's all stand. I'm gonna pray too. We'll all stand, and that was an excellent message, and it was uh, deep and thorough. And isn't it great to hear? A quality message on holiness? That was a quality message on holiness. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray that, um, yeah, I'm going going to pray for us all. Father, thank you for this message, this quality message on holiness. And we don't want to just look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what we look like. We pray for this message of holiness to work in our lives. I didn't tell Fran what to speak on. This was something that was from your heart. I gave her free reign. This was something, Father, that was on your heart for us. We're asking that you would cleanse our desires, that every desire that's not from you would be removed from us. That we would look at every situation in life, and every temptation, and we would see it through your eyes. And we wouldn't say, Lord, how much can I get away with? But we would say, how holy, how holy can you make me? That we would long for holiness, that that as the body of Christ worldwide, we would stop fighting against holiness, but we would let you do that work of holiness in us, that miracle of holiness. And more, Father, that we would realize that it's your presence that makes us holy, not our own works and not rules and regulations, but you command us and your words, they give us life and they transform us. But Lord, that we would have that good understanding of holiness. And right now, we just exalt you. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy. You are mighty. You are holy. You are beautiful in holiness. And I thank you, Father, that holiness leads to happiness. Many times we're not happy because we're allowing things in our life that grieve you. and We have the Holy Spirit in you. So there's a deep sadness within because... We're, we aren't agreeing with your holiness. We're fighting against it. So I pray for all of us that there would, uh, we wouldn't have the facades, that the facades would come down and that we would just say, Lord, do a real work in me. Do a deep work in me. We believe for a move of holiness across your people and your body.